guys and welcome back to the biblical woman podcast i'm kat and i'm nicole and i can't believe that we're in season three like this is awesome i know i am so excited to be back and just back at it with you same you know nicole and i we reached a new level in our friendship we did an escape <laughs> together over the weekend uh and it's we won and we crushed it we crushed it yeah <laughs> we uh we were in a creepy cabin <laughs> we were it was super creepy but i mean oh those little fake rats and everything like this was no joke guys it was <laughs> it was pretty scary <laughs> oh, it was so great but let's talk about today's topic because i could talk about the creepy cabin escape room forever <laughs> <laughs> oh man but today we're going to be talking about biblical illiteracy. And before we jump in, I want to give a big welcome back to Dave Jenkins from Servants of Grace Ministries. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I think people are going to start to think that maybe you're our favorite because I think this is what, time three? Yeah. But I really appreciate you joining us. And I know life has been like crazy for you with ministry and moving and you got like a cute puppy now. And what is your biggest new announcement for us? Ooh, announcements are fun. Um, I have a new book coming out, my first, The Word Explored. That is so exciting. Okay, and Nicole and I do have to admit, we have already read it, and it's really good. Oh, thank you, guys. Yes. But we're going to be talking about biblical literacy, because that is what your book centers on. Dave, I'm so happy you wrote this book, because... As Christians, we do need to understand how to read our Bibles so that we can know truth. And that is a topic I know we are all very passionate about, especially in this crazy world. We need to know what our Bible says, and we need to be able to read it accurately. So I am just pumped to talk about this. Same. I'd like to share a couple of statistics that you uh, shared in, the, in your book, The Word Explored. There are five that I found super interesting, and I'm just going to name those off real quickly. Uh, one of them is that fewer than half of all adults can name the four gospel accounts. The next one is many Christians cannot identify two or three of the disciples. And then 60% of Americans cannot name five of the Ten Commandments. 82% of Americans believe that God helps those who help themselves is actually a Bible verse. And then the last statistic I found really alarming was that even among born again Christians, 81% believe that the Bible teaches the primary purpose in life is to take care of one's family. And these are just, they were, Ooh. these were mind blowing for me to just read these and think like, oh my goodness. I know that last one, especially for me too. I was just like, are you serious? Like that one made me really sad. Yeah. Whew. But I, I think all of those show just how important your book is, Dave. Yeah. I, you know, what's interesting is there's a stat that I didn't put in there and it's, it's this, that, you know, people think that Billy Graham wrote the Sermon on the Mount. So, what <laughs> yeah 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 that one didn't oh. make the book but um you know a lot of people are saying the one on um you know joan of arc being noah's wife that surprised a lot of people too so 
these stats are just, you know, they're tragic. They are heartbreaking. You know, we should not glory in any, any of these statistics because what they show us is we have real work to do. Yeah. And I love just the idea of being a student of the word and really promoting that. And hopefully more Christians will become, I don't know, just more hungry for truth and to really dive into what the word says and to really study it. I think there is a trend right now in Christian culture to kind of keep it real simple. And in fact, that's a kind of a popular Christian song right now. And not that it's a bad song in and of itself necessarily, but I think it does promote the idea that, well, love God and love others. And that's it. That's all you got to do. You're good to go. Like it doesn't encourage that deep study of the word. And the emphasis is definitely more on love versus truth. And I think that that can be a dangerous um, way to, to go about it. So again, I'm just excited to talk about your book today and just to hear your thoughts on, on why you wrote it and all the other questions we have for you. Why I wrote it, you know, I really just want to help, uh, you know, the average lay person. Well, they might have an idea about how to read the Bible, right? But they have no idea why they read the Bible, why they study the Bible, why they memorize the Bible, why they meditate on the Bible, why they apply the Bible. And then, and then the big thing is, is, is out of that is, you know, you have people, I was told this and I've been told this, you can only get people to do, go to an event at church, uh, two events a week, you know, the Lord's, uh, Lord's Day on Sunday and maybe one other event during the week. And that's it. But what that, what that, I thought about that, and that really bothered me because I thought that I always believed that if you explain why we do something, then that's going to help people understand, hey, this is why you should be coming, you know, and being with your church family and participating in life with one another. So that's really like I'm trying to promote more of the, not just the how so much, but more of the why. You know, why do we read the Bible? Why do we do these things? And then why do we do life with one another? Because I feel like um, so many even, and I'm saying not just the new Christian, because this book is not just for the new Christian. It is for the seasoned Christian too, because there's many, many people in our churches. They are 60 and 70 years old. And I can say this because I have worked with many of those people. They do not know why we do what we do. And if that's the case, and we're talking most of those people in their 60s and 70s, they're in multiple Bible studies. So if they don't know why they're doing stuff, we got a big problem. And I've seen that over and over again in my ministry. And I'm just like, I got to figure out some, I had just had to think about like, really what, what's, what's the way that we can reach that, the way that we can solve that. And so that's really why I wanted to aim at the affections, the heart of the Christian um, to get them understand why we do what we do, uh, why we read the Bible and all those things, and then why we do life with one another in the church. So that's really what I'm aiming for. I'm aiming for the average person in the pew, but I'm getting told, you know, and doing that, I'm really reaching a variety of audiences. You know, Dr. Beaky, you know, said even the non-Christian will get help uh, from this book because they'll understand why Christians read their Bible. So that was kind of amazing. You know, I didn't even have that in mind um, as, a, as a goal. I just had it in mind. That person that's the senior saint or, 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 or much younger, 
hey, they don't know why we do what we do. And they're not going to ask. The, the person that's been in church for 30 years, 40 years, they aren't going to ask, you know, but they've got to have some, we've got to be able to hand them some resource where they can, you know, ask, then they can say, you know what, I didn't actually know why we did that. I didn't actually know why we sat in a sermon. I didn't actually under, really understand why the word has to be central in my life in the church. Well, and you're right. I think the book, it does apply to so many people. And when you've been a Christian for so long and you have these questions, it can be intimidating or even embarrassing to ask some of these Bible questions because you just, people just assume that you know it. You know, if, if that's you listening today, here's what I want to say to you, okay? I want to say a couple things. First, I understand. And second of all, I want to encourage you to talk to your pastor and see how your pastor responds to you. Would you ask him questions? If he, if he is handing, giving you a heavy hand, that's a sign that he is not somebody that you want to be under. But if he instead you know, takes you by the hand with the Bible and shows you in love the truth of, of the question that you're asking, that's a real shepherd, and you should prize that man. You should respect that man. That's an honorable, uh, God-fearing, um, biblically qualified pastor. If you're getting the heavy hand, I would say you should go find a different church. Now, I know that's a strong statement to make. Um, I know there's a lot of things that go into choosing a church and leaving a church, so I don't want to be unsympathetic to those things. But no Christian should be in a church where they're getting the heavy hand. I, I personally have been in that kind of church where they're very good theologically, but very poor at shepherding. Mm -hmm. And I, my wife and I ended up leaving that church and joining a different church. And that was one of the best things for both of us. Yeah. So one of the things that I noticed when I was reading your book, and I've read a lot of books on biblical literacy, one of the things that really separated your book from other books was the fact that you brought up like small groups and life groups and the roles that those play in developing biblical literacy. Because uh, I know you were talking about the pastor helping people, but how do small groups and life groups help us develop biblical literacy? Yeah, there's a that's a great question. Um, I really actually appreciate the fact that you asked that because it really gets to the heart of, book, of the second section of the book, and that is the idea that we're supposed to do life with one another. And that's, you know, some people have, you know, misconceptions about small groups. They think it's just for fellowship and fun. And, you know, we can have that in a small group. I've led many of those, and we've had fellowship and fun. But the small group, by definition, must be grounded in the word, as with any ministry in the church, and in prayer. So, you know, whether you eat food before or after, you fellowship before or after, that's secondary. Let's be clear about that. Mm -hmm. uh, small groups are where you know Christians gather to study the word and do life with one another, where we care for one another. So to the question, though, you know, it's in these groups where we can grow in our biblical literacy. We can ask questions we might not ask elsewhere, and we can get encouragement. We can help get uh, we can grow in our faith. They, 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 these groups, they play a, a vital part in our lives. And, and, and I would say that a, a, a church that doesn't have these types of small groups, and I've qualified it as a, a church, a small group where the, the word is central and where you pray, 
that church isn't a healthy local church. And I'm not talking about groups that gather together for fun and fellowship. Those are all good and helpful. I'm talking about small groups that gather together for the purpose of studying God's word and praying together. You see, we really do. We don't really understand, I think, as Christians, just how much we really need one another. And the, one of the best ways that we can do that, we can be for one another, is, is to be in that small group of Christians where we can study scripture in a safe environment. We can pray for one another and we can care for one another, you know, all around the word. We, we gather together around the word. And that's really that's really what um, my hope is for small groups. You know, like I said, I've led many of them in the local church and even outside of the local church over the years. And here's suggestions for you who are listening. Maybe you're a, a small group leader. It started out, I started out with, you know, 30 minutes of fellowship and and then we would pray for one another, go around the room, praying for one another. Then we would get into the word. And then afterwards, you know, however long that was, usually it was like an hour, um, you know, so that we had like a two-hour time slot for this small group, which is pretty standard, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then I would, the teaching would probably be like 30 minutes or so. And then I would spend the, whatever the rest of the time answering questions up on the board. And that's where I really got the idea for, you know, the theology segment, because I really, really realized there's a lot of people have a lot of questions, and they're not getting them answered. And so it's, it's just a big deal. And so that's really where small groups come in. It's a safe place to ask questions. You're getting to know each other pretty intimately. You're sharing the stuff of life. And then that naturally builds trust where people can defenses come down, trust is built, questions can be asked that wouldn't be asked, and ministry can actually happen. That's really what I think small groups can do so well. And I'm not discouraging, I want to be clear here, I'm not wanting to discourage one-on-one discipleship, I'm wanting to encourage that as well. Those are all really good points that you brought up with small groups, but like zooming in on the individual Christian how should Christians view Bible reading? You know, is it a duty or should we view it as more of a delight or is it a mixture of the two? But how should the individual Christian view Bible reading? You know, this is, uh, this gets to the heart of, you know, the, the personal part of Bible reading. Um, in the book, I'm, I'm saying this, you know, I say on social media, and you ladies know this, I, I say I love my wife. But It'd be one thing for me to say on social media, right, that I love my wife, but um, if I don't follow that up with action, right, what what happens? She's going to, I mean, talking to two ladies, right? You're going to be like, hey, uh, you don't really love me. She would be right to say that, right? So the same is true. What I'm trying to argue for in the book is a delightful duty. And what I what I mean by that is God delights over his people. The scripture tells us that we are the apple of his eye. We're beloved by him. We're, we're friends of, of God. And that's so, so important. So since that's true, um, how much more is that true of the word that he gave us, right? And so that means that since we're born again as children of God, we have these new affections. And, and part of that is we need to understand what God loves, and God loves his word. He loves his church that he bled and died for, and he loves his people. And so we should delight in those things because God delights in those things. 
And so what I'm trying to do is to get us to train our affections to be set on him so that we treasure him for the, the but there's a purpose for this. There's a purpose for this. And Colossians 3, Galatians 5, all these other passages, they all tell us the purpose of this kind of direction that, that, that I'm taking us, and that is to be like Jesus. You know, people today want to talk about being an effective servant for Jesus, but what they don't want to talk about very often is, is what I'm talking about here. They don't want to talk about, you know, sanctification. They don't want to talk about transformation. And that, that is an absolute, that is absolutely the wrong order. God cares first about our character because our character influences our witness. And that's the biblical order. We have mm-hmm. to get that back because we, what we do is we talk about, we talk instead about, okay, being f- effective, but we don't talk about transformation and sanctification. They, they, the two go together in the Bible. And so, if, if we will delight in the scripture, God will take, the, God the Holy Spirit will take, he, he exists, Jesus says in John 15 and 16, to take the scripture and to point us to Jesus through the scripture. Uh, and so that's really what I'm trying to do for the purpose that we can do life in the church. Because I think what ends up happening is, you know, we have people that um, in our churches that struggle with evangelism, with discipleship, and all these things. But the, the thing is, is, if we focus on our own sanctification and our own growth and grace and tra- being transformed, uh, we'll see those. We'll see. We won't see issues dissipate, but we'll see. You know, there'll be a mess because we're sinners, right? We have a real problem. We have indwelling sin. We need to be growing in grace. But the thing is, is, is if we're focusing on these things, what ends up happening is, is that, you know, we'll be, we'll have more, we'll have more fruit, we'll, we'll and the desire to be with God's people, not hide, um, not living in habitual patterns of sin, not having unresolved patterns of behavior in our lives, and 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 I mean, on and on we could go, but you know, <laughs> we really, what really we should be putting biblical counselors out of a job. Um, by if we read the Bible and we studied the Bible ourselves and and prayed just ourselves and kept short accounts of God, we would we would keep our pastors a lot less busy, and and that and our pastors would rejoice at that. Not that they wouldn't want to care for us and follow up with us and encourage us, right, and shepherd us, but but just those basic things would keep a lot of people out of the pastor's office and a lot of out of the biblical counselor's office. So that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get us to get off the get get the average Christian off the milk and into the meat by understanding the the right way to view our motivations. I like how Drew, our friend, said it yesterday. It's almost like the book is a it's a before the basics kind of book, and I think that's probably right. And and I'll say it's not anything that hasn't already been written. The only difference between what I've written and what others have written is the approach that I'm trying to advocate is first we start with the why and then we go to the how because too often what we do is we all only talk about the how of a thing in in most books and we never talk about the why we never get to the we never get to understand why we do something and I think that's why you know you feel so people feel so exhausted by bible reading um they feel so exhausted by ministry because they don't understand that that this is something that God delights over and that we should delight over and that should fuel our a passion for his glory. I'm not saying we never get burned out, but if we have the right motivation, 
um, that's going to feel our feel our life and our ministry. It's going to give us energy um, by the grace of God to to do whatever we need to do. You know, you look at Paul; he's a perfect example of that. No, I just love what you know how you said it a little bit ago, Dave, about you know such at the heart of you know the book and the reason the why we need to read scripture is so that we can love the things that God loves and. Uh, I think that's beautiful and that's so true. And I just appreciate that point very much. I think for me, a big point that um, hit hit home for me in the book was just the emphasis on being a doer of the word. That is such a huge point of understanding the word is so that we can then apply it and do it. And that was convicting for me, honestly. I think I've been kind of thinking about this actually, and I think your book prompted it. You know, I've been doing, I would say, a pretty good job of growing in my knowledge of just doctrine and theology, but I need to grow in my doing, being a doer of the word. So I'm just putting that out there. <laughs> hey, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, I remember a, a vivid conversation like it happened yesterday. It's in the book, actually, on that chapter. Mm-hmm. So since you read it, you know about it, but it, yeah, yeah. You know, the, I dedicated, uh, just so everybody knows the the guy that I'm about to talk to, he's, he's, I call him my big brother. His name is Mike Bowden. Um, and I say in the, in the acknowledgement, I wouldn't be able to write this book without him. And I think you ladies know me well enough to know, I, I don't, uh, give flowering praise, uh, like that. Um, so yeah, he, there was a conversation that we had. I was interrupting him um, at church and, you know, in, on Sunday, which was the pastor's busiest day, so that not good. And he was a, he's a particularly busy pastor on Sunday. And so he, he said, hey, I know you like to play golf. Let's uh, get together and, and play. And on the drive over, like a father to a son, he said, you know, Dave, you have a relational maturity problem. Ouch. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really understand what that meant. Uh, so we had many conversations about that, but he would say, you don't have a knowledge problem. You have an application problem again. Um, hello, ouch. But over time I started to see what he meant. What he, what he was saying was, is, you know, Dave, you can answer all the questions in the world, but what, 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 how is that being applied to your heart? So just to what you're saying, I just want to say, you know, that's true for every Christian, Nicole, it's, it's true for every Christian. Yeah, but especially those of us who are more theologically minded, it's so easy to, you know, I get dozens of books. I mean, hundreds of books. I mean, when I lived in California for three years, I got 2000 books, if you can imagine. Oh like, it was, it's overwhelming how many books I get. You know, I don't post them anymore either. That's that's another I'll tell you about that another time. But, you know, it's 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 so easy to focus on the knowledge aspect and the intellectual life of Christianity that you miss right the opposite command of jesus not just to love him with all of your mind but to love him love the lord your god with you know with all of your heart and with all of your mind and with all of your soul right and then for what reason jesus says to love your neighbor so it's not just loving your loving him with your mind i mean we do have that problem in the church today don't get me wrong um but we also need to love him with our heart. And that's where we get into the application pro- process where God by the spirit wants to take that mirror, us to look in the mirror of, of our hearts. 
you know, think of a think of a mirror, you know, I mean, hello, ladies, you know, you make your hair and all that. And, you know, you want to look all good for your guy and, you know, going out or whatever and all those things. Right. But the thing is, is that the thing is, is that we can get so easily just looking at that mirror and we never take a look at what's really underneath what's going on in our heart. And that was for me, that was what was happening, you know, at that time in my life. You know, it's so easy even now to to sit here and say, oh, these are the right answers. So I don't have this. The the last thing I want anybody, if you're listening to this or you want to read this book, the last thing I want anybody to do when they read that part of the book is think, oh, well, he just has it all figured out. It's like, I don't, you know, I I am being very honest. I blow it. And I need this just as much as anybody else. You know, all that's why I said this was for not just the new Christian, but for the mature Christian. We we have to learn to apply the word. We have to be diligent at it. We have to be intentional at it. And we have to keep going at it. We have to keep, uh, as Owens would say, we have to keep uh, taking, cutting down those trees, you know, those those things that that build up in our hearts, and we have. To take the take the axe of the word and just keep chopping at it and asking the spirit to to convict and to um, you know help us grow. Amen. And man, I'm just I think this is a great teaser almost for people to go out and buy your book because you do talk about this so well um, in your book, of course. And also, you're we haven't even gotten to you know you talk a lot about. The role of the Holy Spirit. You talk about memorization and meditation. All of these things. I'm telling you guys, you got to read this book. And uh, Dave, I'm just so glad um, that you're faithful to writing the things that God has placed on your heart. And man, it this like I said, this was a book that got me thinking and was just um, a great a great read and a great challenge. But where can our listeners get a copy of your new book? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. You know, they can find it uh, at uh, H&E's website, Asset and Emmett. Um, They can find it at Westminster Books. Um, If you buy a copy of the book, okay, you, I will, I will personally, you send it to me. I'm about to give you that address. I will sign your copy of your book, of my book for you my my address for everybody is i'm even doing it on every show i'm like wow you're really putting it out there (laughs) i'm not i'm not afraid i'm not afraid you know okay it's it's dave jenkins 519 dave jenkins 519 southeast kane street unit 939 roseburg oregon 97470 like I said, again, I would be happy to sign your book for you if you send it to me. Um, you know, you guys can always find me on social media. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, um, you know, all those things. So happy to connect, happy to talk, however I can be of service. I, I've told people it doesn't matter what size show you have or whatever. It's an honor to talk with anybody. And I love coming on your guys' show. Uh, so thank you so much for that honor. Well, thank you for coming on. I'm, I'm like, people are going to think that, you know, you might be our favorite because this is time three, you know? <laughs> I mean, I mean, I am. So. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like, man, Kat and Nicole, they <laughs> have some favoritism going on here. <laughs> but yeah, thank you so much for being on the show. And this book was amazing, guys. And 
one of the things that I, I really loved about it, there were a lot of things, but it was very easy to read. Um, yes. So even if you're not like a big reader, this is a good book because it, it yes, it is challenging in its ideas and it challenges you spiritually, but reading it is very, very easy. And as a mom who's running around with soon to be two under two, um, <laughs> I, I really appreciated that about your book. Well, I will close us out with a Bible verse from Mark twenty thirty, and it says, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Oh, 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 oh,